Welcome to Our Opinions Are Correct, a podcast about science fiction and everything else. I'm Annalee Newitz. I'm a science journalist who writes about science fiction. I'm Charlie Jane Anders. I'm a science fiction writer who thinks a lot about science. We're going to be talking about something kind of unusual today, which is where does exercise and physical education fit into science fiction? We'll talk about the geek versus jock stereotype, crazy exercise scenes in science fiction and fantasy, and best of all, Later in the episode, we have special guest Robin Warren, who is a PE teacher and physical trainer who created a group called Geek Girl Strong, which is a community for nerds who want to get fit. All right, here we go. had the inspiration to do this episode because of a tweet in early April from Jonathan Corman, who's a friend of the show, who wrote about his horrible experiences in PE. And he was responding to someone named Adrian Bott, who was saying how PE teachers can wreck your health because they are so punishingly cruel. And Jonathan wrote, I have bottomless rage at having been forced to spend about a thousand hours of my life in physical education classes that did not teach me how to stretch, train, or even lift a heavy box properly, but did teach me to hate exercise. He got about 20,000 likes, 5,000 retweets, hundreds of responses from people who were saying they'd had the same experience. You know, they had just been so turned off by PE class that they just became alienated from their bodies. And I think this is something that's really common, certainly among you know all people, but especially in geek and nerd communities, fandom communities, communities of scientists, mm-hmm. um, I mean, certain kinds of scientists. And it's it really fits into this geek versus jock stereotype, which I want to trace back to the early 1980s. And here's a clip. Well, anyway, college is a whole new ballgame. People judge you differently than they did in high school. Where are they? I think they're talking about us. No way. So that's a clip from Revenge of the Nerds, um, that documentary about uh, 1980s culture. (laughs) Um, That movie is so horrible. It's so horrible. It's replete with every like racist stereotype, every, you know, gender stereotype. And it also brought us the nerd versus jock stereotype. Yeah, that clip of like them just screaming, nerd, nerd. It's like, it's so iconic and it's actually still really upsetting to this day. It's like, it's a really upsetting moment. And, you know, and it then that movie goes to some really dark, terrible places where women's privacy has to be violated. And in fact, there's like sexual assault in order to prove that nerds are superior. And it's just, 
it's kind of horrific. But that is kind of the root of a lot of these stereotypes. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not the cause. It's just one of the most iconic expressions of something that really goes back kind of far in our pop culture, which is this idea that if you're a smart person who's really interested in, you know, mental pursuits, whether that's dreaming up Mm -hmm. starships or dreaming up stories about starships, that you just can't be physically fit, like that you're just... You're not able to do physical stuff. And, you know, like the whole trope of Superman's character, which, you know, comes out in the 30s, is that no one could possibly believe that Clark Kent is Superman, not because they don't basically look alike, but because Clark Kent is so nerdy and Mm weakling-ish that, you know, how could he be this big, strong guy with, like, rippling muscles and, you know, laser eyes? I guess the laser eyes came later, but you know what I mean? So I think that the geek versus jock, you know, showdown in Revenge of the Nerds is is really just playing on something that's been going on for a while, um, at least in the United States, this kind of nerd jock split. And you still have like shows Mm -hmm. like Stranger Things, which are, of course, in reference to 1980s shows and is set in the 1980s, where you really see this kind of reviving of that idea that like the people who are the nerds, are these like kind of dorky, um, you know, people who are not physically fit and like have asthma or they're like overweight or like, you know, which is of course coded as bad. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know- And there's a lot of fat phobia in those kinds of stories. There's a lot of, and there's a lot of fat phobia, you know, generally I think in science fiction and fantasy, a lot of jokes around it. um, And and I think Mm -hmm. that that is also, we have to recognize that that is also part of this whole trope that like nerds are fat and that being fat means that you're not in shape and that, and therefore you're ugly and bad and a social outcast. And there's this idea that you can't be fat and be in in shape and exercise and that fat people are people who don't exercise, which we all know is not true. That's right. And so I'm wondering, how does this whole trope in sort of superhero stories and a lot of um, science fiction of kind of working out and training up for your job, like how does that fit into this, Charlie Jane? Like there's so many stories like everything from Hunger Games to The Matrix where like our hero mm-hmm. suddenly knows Kung Fu or like gets really good at <laughs> shooting stuff. I was going to say like in reference to superhero stuff, because you mentioned Superman, you know, I feel like a lot of these things, super, part of why superheroes are such crack is because they do really play into that. Both Spider-Man and Captain America start out as these skinny dudes who are really nebbishy and kind of nerdy. And then they get bitten by a spider or they get like super soldier serum and suddenly they're really buff. And like there's endless like fetishization of Chris Evans with his shirt off, like showing his like rippling muscles and Thor has his rippling muscles. And, you know, there's that whole scene in the Avengers where they take their clothes off and coat each other with oil and then roll around together. And or maybe that wasn't in the Avengers. Maybe I just imagined that. <laughs> Headcanon <laughs> accepted. <laughs> Well, also, I was going to say, like, writing on top of that, you know, there's that whole arc where, like, in the movies, Thor gets fat. And it's like, oh, God, yeah. And it's played for laughs, right? It's played for laughs. And it's also supposed to signal to us that he's lost it, like that, that he's just he's hit rock bottom like, you know, not, you know, not that he's depressed or, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, not that 
being depressed is hitting rock bottom. No, no, no. Being fat is hitting rock bottom. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very clear that, you know, that this idea, he's become kind of a, of a nerd, you know, and mm-hmm. he in fact is just sitting around and like watching TV and stuff like that. I feel like we could do a whole episode about the fat suit in speculative fiction and how it's frequently this horrible signifier. Like Battlestar Galactica did the same thing where mm-hmm. in season three, I think, Leah Dama suddenly gets gains a lot of weight and it's like, oh, you know, he's not the hero anymore because he gained weight. And it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know? why why is that? Like oh suddenly because you weigh a little bit more, you're unable to do anything. Um, so it's, it's very, yeah, it's a recurring thing. And at the same time, even though, you know, superhero stories and science fiction are still classified as geek genres, there's a giant fetishization of working out in the shows. Mm -hmm. And we have a clip here from Arrow, where Arrow is doing... <laughs> this was recently introduced to me, by the way. Charlie Jane showed me a bunch of clips of workout scenes from Arrow, where Arrow is doing something called the Salmon Ladder. Yes. And so here's what happens in that scene. How does he do this? It's all in the core. <gasps> so, Curtis, I'm guessing this wasn't part of your Olympic training. What's going on here, Charlie Jane? You're the you're the arrow expert. So what's happening in this scene is that a new guy has joined the arrow superhero team, Curtis, who is a gay, black, nerdy dude who actually was an Olympic athlete. He was an Olympic decathlon athlete. But in that scene, we're finding that he cannot do the salmon ladder that that Oliver Queen, Green Arrow does. And Oliver's like, it's all in your core muscles, man. And like, if you just go on YouTube and search for Arrow Salmon Ladder. There's like a hundred clips of scenes where people can or can't do the Salmon Ladder and also like shirtless Oliver Queen doing the Salmon Ladder. Like <laughs> the Flash does the Salmon Ladder really fast. It's like, I've got super fast Salmon Ladder skills. And Sarah Lance, who becomes the captain on Legends of Tomorrow, does the Salmon Ladder. And she's like, that wasn't so hard. And like, it's like this big test of whether you're cool or not. And yeah. it's like super weird that like it's this kind of, but yeah, it's all about like you have to pull yourself up and like swing yourself and then go to the next level. And it's like, it's really hard to do. You have to really good it's core like muscles. It's like a jumping pull up thing. I, I have no <laughs> idea if salmon ladders are real. They There's probably are. There's a bunch are. of videos of like how to do the salmon ladder in real life now, of course. Okay, so you've checked this out. So in reality, <laughs> of course, the the real geek test is whether you know about the salmon ladder in the context of Arrow. But in the world of Arrow, <laughs> the test, the, the geek test is can you do the salmon ladder? So this is right. the difference between sort of the geek imaginary and the geek reality. But also... Again, it kind of goes back to what I would call like a weird dualism here where there's all of this hero worship of jocks, of the kind of Captain Hammers of the world, if you will, and then this sort of um, acknowledgement or maybe not acknowledgement, but demonization of how many geeks you know, aren't super strong or aren't um, super adept at the salmon ladder. Um, maybe not because they couldn't be, but just because they've had such terrible experiences in PE and it's kind of driven them away from PE um, and from physical activity. 
It's interesting because I was just reading uh, about a new study that came out of uh, UC San Diego where some researchers looked at how mice responded to physical activity. And so they had like some mice that were like getting lots and lots of running on the wheel and some that didn't. And the ones that did started producing new neurotransmitters. Their neurotransmitters like switched over to a different neurotransmitter that promoted um, neural growth, promoted new connections between neurons. Um, And it wasn't like your brain suddenly switched over to being a new kind of brain. It was just that the exercise actually promoted brain health and promoted what's called neuroplasticity, which is just the regrowth of neurons or growing new connections between neurons. And so in this case... With this particular study, um, the neurons that were affected all had to do with motor skills. So the fact was that the more you exercise, the better you get at exercise and the better you get at physical activity. But they think that it could have a lot of implications for just learning in general and neuroplasticity in general. And that exercise is physical activity of any kind is clearly connected to just having a healthier brain. And we just don't have any models in pop culture that really give us a sense that that's true. You know, even when you have, like, say someone like Iron Man, who's like super smart, the way that he becomes physically badass is by building a suit, not by, you know, Mm -hmm. working out all the time, like, oh, I did the salmon ladder and now I've solved physics or whatever. Apparently doesn't happen. I mean, what do you think is going on there, Charlie Jane? Why do we have this dualism? I mean, I think the dualism is exactly the right word. It does go back to Descartes. It's this sort of this Cartesian dualism between mind and body and this idea that like your mind is kind of somehow this separate thing. And really, we've talked in other episodes about this like fantasy of uploading your brain to the Internet or like mm-hmm. living forever by like, you know, digitizing your brain and like the, the idea you could download your brain into a new body and like. It's this idea that your brain is what matters and that your body is just this vehicle that you're kind of driving around in, which clearly is not true. And studies like the one you mentioned uh, show that that's not true. And it is interesting that like nerds are so invested in these superhero stories, which are frequently like, you know, Batman. The whole point of Batman is that he's a regular guy who just really, really worked out super hard until he was like the strongest, smartest best fighter, best detective. He just got really good at everything by just like being super driven. And I think that that is a thing that like nerds are obsessed with willpower in general. I think it's a big part of nerd culture. And so Mm. this idea of like, if you could just have like strong enough willpower, you would be physically and mentally, you know, an ideal, obviously it's all bullshit, but this idea that you could be Batman or whatever is, is a thing that that people really get into. But at the same time, this idea that, you know, well, I can be Tony Stark. I don't have to work out. I can just build a super suit and then my super suit will be strong and I can just be inside it. And, you know, that your mind can kind of conquer this. But there's also the idea that if you have a strong enough will, that's your mind getting your body to do things. And, you know, I think it's, I don't know. It's, I think there's two different kinds of nerd fantasies of like power and like Obviously, a lot of these things go back to power fantasies and fantasies of being strong in various ways. Yeah, so it's sort of the fantasy of mental power, the fantasy of physical power, but we never see them being integrated. It's either that you use your mind power to like conquer your body in some way, like either through training or through having a super mm-hmm. suit, or you're just, you know, this amazing, you know, hunk of meat. And if you're an amazing <laughs> hunk of meat, 
one of the things that I think is interesting that we see again and again when we have these characters who are the hunk of meat characters, they often have a sidekick who's the nerd character. Mm-hmm. Like the show oh, yeah. Person of Interest is a perfect example where we kind of have like the meathead character and like the mad scientist character. Or you have like a show like Alias where there's like many shows like Alias. Like let's just say Alias is the template and there's like always like the nerdy dude mm-hmm. who sits at a table and like all he or she ever does is use a soldering iron maybe. Um, and like, <laughs> you know, I mean, actually like it usually is a dude and it's really only quite recently that we've started to have that character be a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, like and so occasionally... Pretty. Yeah, or like um, Warehouse 13 has like a female nerd character. That's right, and I love her. Who basically is exactly the character from, the dude character from Alias, but now a cute girl with colorful hair. And so, not not that I don't like that character, I'm like super pro that character, but you you can always recognize that person. Mm -hmm. You can never have that in the same body. Like I just, I'm racking my brain and I just cannot think of you know, a superhero character or like a science fiction hero character who kind of integrates both. Maybe like in the training scenes with Luke and Yoda in Star Wars, that's kind of what it's about. It's about kind of integrating your mind with your body. Um, I'm down with that. I think superhero stories are full of people who start out as the nerd sidekick and eventually get to graduate to become kind of a badass in their own right. I think that that's a common arc in superhero stories. And in fact, Curtis, the character that we heard failing to do the salmon ladder in that clip, he becomes a <laughs> badass in, in Arrow and he becomes one of the, the most badass characters on that show. And he kind of starts out as like the nerdy, geeky guy who's like, oh, this is just like this comic book or whatever and mm-hmm. then he kind of slowly gets there i wanted to bring up like another kind of obviously we're getting a lot into superhero stuff but i wanted to bring up one of your favorite characters and my favorite characters the incredible hulk who yes. is the kind of archetypal skinny nerd who becomes muscly and when he's muscly he can't be smart he has to be like hulk smash and mm-hmm. one of the central concerns of the hulk comics and recently of the movies is can the hulk ever become smart And can he ever be as smart in his like big muscly body as he is when he's skinny? And, you know, over and over again in the comics, he gets to be smart and then he loses it somehow in the Bill Mantlo era. He becomes really smart, but then he can feel his intelligence starting to slip away every time he hulks out. And then in the movies, there's Professor Hulk, who's like the smart version, but it's never permanent and it's never really stable because there's this idea somehow that like, you can't really be the Hulk and be really smart. Like there's, it's never going to be, it's never going to last. Yeah. The the two things just can't go together. Mm -hmm. Like it comes back to the dualism. Like you're either one or the other. And if they do mix, you know, maybe there's some kind of danger involved. I feel like there's a lot of super villains who are kind of really smart and really strong at the same time. And that's like Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. is an example although he's only strong because he kind of like yeah, iron he's man like he iron like man. Yeah. builds himself an exo arm set of arms perhaps more often there's the stereotype of a bad guy who is just a brain in a box basically oh, yeah. there's something and, you know wrong with that and that's frequently how you know that they're the bad guy is that they're just like a brain in the box or they're like a head and no body there's like a, so many comic book villains who are just like a head with like tiny little limbs in some other way their head is huge and everything else is tiny. Yeah, like the Daleks or something like that. 
Modoc, uh, the leader. I don't know. There's a bunch. All right. So to help us get out of this horrific geek versus jock dualism, when we come back, we're going to talk to Robin Warren, who created Geek Girl Strong. To start out, why don't you just tell us what you do? My name is Robin Warren. I founded the wellness community Geek Girl Strong about five years ago after being a New York City public school PE and health teacher for five years. And basically with Geek Girl Strong, I take women and non-binary people who feel like they don't really have a space in fitness and bring them all together through their shared geeky interests to do really cool workouts and generally take care of their well-being by eating well and, you know, talking a lot about mental health and how we can be our best selves. That's awesome. That's amazing. We've been talking a lot about how in pop culture, there's this big geek versus jock divide, which is Mm -hmm. obviously ridiculous and artificial, but it's kind of stuck in our heads. A lot of us grew up with it. So how do you bridge that divide? Like, how do we get from thinking of those two things as opposites to kind of integrating them? I think it's just realizing that no human actually lives in any one box. It's something that motivated me to start Geek Girl Strong because I saw it in a lot of my students who were socialized as girls and young women where they would make it to about the seventh grade. And then it seems like they felt that they had to choose one of three boxes, which was to be kind of a tomboy and athletic and still really good at PE, to be really attractive and like take care of their appearances and their relationships to other kids at school. Or they were going to be like a geek and a bookworm and to themselves and only worrying about their grades. And I think that just having more examples for one always helps. But also just remembering that we're all geeky about different things. So in the same way that someone dresses up in cosplay for a convention, I look at sports arenas and see lots of people in cosplay of their favorite athletes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you have to dress up in cosplay to play sports too, right? Exactly. Like, you know, it's not, Absolutely. I mean, it's true. People do wear football jerseys all over the place, but like it's yes. different from like putting on your armor and your helmet and like your tooth right. guard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of really big physical sports fans who are really confused by esports or by gamers who are doing live shows and live tournaments. And I don't actually understand the confusion because they're doing things that I can't do just with a controller instead of like with their entire bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's also physical too, right? Like there's a huge component of of motor control that goes into that. So it's it's not totally just sitting at home. (laughs) No, no, it's not. And so what do you find is the biggest obstacle that people who have been geeks or people who identify as geeks face when they try to take the plunge and get fit? I think the biggest thing for anyone, and especially for people who, you know, grew up as a geek, is having moments of success with movement. So this is with anything, but especially if someone was a child who 
never felt successful or never felt rewarded or recognized for what they did in a PE class, for instance, then why would they have good feelings around moving their bodies? And why would they think that's something that's open to them? So I always say that giving kids especially, but anyone a point of entry in which they can succeed at it, especially for a child who is just experiencing certain types of movement for the first time, if they're not given a space in which they can succeed at it, they're not going to have any reason to go back and do it again. Yeah. And it's the same exact thing for adults. So how do they start? What's an example of how you get people to be like, oh, I can do that? Like, what do you start with? Or does it depend on the person? Or It totally depends on the person if I'm working with them privately. But even on a larger scale, I've found that for one, using fandom as a theme. So before we were all at home, the last in-person event that we had was a Birds of Prey themed oh, event. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So during the workout, I had them kicking x-ray sheets. So it makes like a really loud banging noise when they kicked it with their foot. And that was a part of the workout. And they were working together. And it didn't really matter how hard or how high they were kicking. They just had to get their foot on this, you know, plastic piece of sheet from an x-ray that anyone can really order. (laughs) And it made this really cool sound. And then We had other stations where they were swinging what we pretended were bats down at an enemy or throwing balls at a wall that had targets on it. And so all of these things that I do with people, we have what we call a strict movement, which would be the highest level. But then at every single event, I make sure that I show at least one modification for every single movement that we're doing to ensure that every person has a movement that works for them that day. And I think it's really important for people to remember that you do what you can on that day and don't worry about what you would like to do later maybe at the time because you're working with what you've got and sometimes that's more than enough. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about yoga is that in yoga, there's like the position you're trying for, but then there's many, many steps along the way. Absolutely. And it's like today, maybe you just get into like one little piece of it and like Mm -hmm. next time, try some more. So yeah, you try a little bit more. I feel like one of the big obstacles for geeks in getting interested in physical activity, and this kind of goes back to PE class, is that We're taught about physical activity through competitive sports. And I think this is such a huge hurdle. What what do you think about that? So I actually recently, I mean, I do this all the time. I go on rants about how when I was a PE teacher or a physical education teacher, people would kind of look down on me in a way. And I found that I get a lot more respect now when I introduce myself and tell people that I'm a wellness professional or that I have a wellness business and that I run it myself than I ever did as a PE teacher. I think about those kinds of things a lot because I still think that being a school teacher is one of the most difficult jobs you can ever have. Totally. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people know what like the setup in a PE class is, but typically it's a lot bigger in terms of class size than the classroom is. So as a New York City public school teacher, the legal ratio of teacher to student is one to 50. That's five zero. Wow. So it's one adult 
and 50 children and you do what you can to keep them safe and moving. And unfortunately, a lot of the time that ends up being that a teacher is just like, let me just split this big group of kids into a couple of teams and get them moving safely. And there are definitely some teachers out there who do it better than others and and give it a lot more effort, just like in any Mm -hmm. profession. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is a part of this that is systemic in which we, we don't respect physical education in a way, in the U.S. at least, mm-hmm. when a teacher is unable to have an environment in which they can offer lots of different options, it makes it so that maybe both teacher and student are frustrated by the limitations of what they can offer. And then, like you said, we get kids who are just like, I just don't want to play basketball all the time or ever. <laughs> yeah. I would rather try a dance class or a yoga class or just something that's more of an individual movement than, you know, kind of on a stage in a way. Mm-hmm. Is there some way that we can get out of that conundrum, do you think? Is it we need reform of the school system or a commitment to non-competitive sports sometimes? Or I think you're seeing more of it because of just everything that is in the news and the media with adults struggling with their health and adults struggling to get moving. So I think it has, in a way, trickled down to schools in which parents, because they're more likely to listen to parents (laughs) than the employees of the school, but parents are advocating and saying, my kid hates P.E., but when they're at home, maybe they're, they have an interest in something else. And also because parents are having to pay a buttload of money to send their kids to other physical activity options than they're able to get at school. So I think you're right. I think some of it is totally just needing a reform of, of how we look at physical education and how it's treated. Just as a quick add-on for K through sixth grade students, so that's our younger student population, Mm -hmm. teachers actually no longer need a physical education certification to teach PE to kids that are that young. Wow. So maybe we need a little more training too. (laughs) Absolutely. So my students were surprised when I told them that I had a college degree. Oh, wow. Wow. Because there's just this attitude about PE, which is understandable because of a lot of our experiences with it, that the people doing it are not experts at what they do. And that in of itself is obviously really disappointing and disheartening for the professionals and the teachers who are doing that mm-hmm. work. So I think it's, you know, it's a little bit of the the whole system needs to be reformed and then a little bit of just having more of these conversations. So you're you're doing this, it's called Geek Girl Strong and you mentioned that you include, you know, trans people and non-binary people. And part of what turns a lot of us off exercise, I think, is this idea that we do get from pop culture and science fiction in part is that it's this very macho thing that it's very like, it's tough and it's manly. And it's like for people who are like, you know, that it's it's sort of got this gendered component to it. Absolutely. How do you take physical education away from that kind of like super macho attitude? I think like to really get down to it, I think it's super helpful that I am a black woman who's under 5'5 because (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not like when people see me, they would have never thought that I was a PE teacher. 
So just in who I am, I think allows for people to see another example of what health, wellness, and fitness can be. And when I share all of my own interests in different kinds of movement, so you know, when they were open, I was at the gym and lifting really heavy, but I'm also really into pole dancing and I teach people how to do that as well. And I just try to tell people that if they can find movement that feels fun to them again, like how we didn't know or care if we were exercising or not when we were playing tag with our friends, that is movement. And I think a really big component of making sure that people know it doesn't have to kind of be like the meathead at the gym in order to be fitness and healthy is just to redefine our definition of exercise and realize that it can include so many different things. It sounds like you're kind of a movement geek. And so <laughs> what what do you geek out the most about in the world of movement? Oh, I so I've been dancing since I was three years old because I'm an only child and my parents wanted me to be socialized like a normal kid. So <laughs> I was sent into movement classes very early on. <laughs> also because I was a child in the early 90s when MTV was becoming really big and my mom was a really big fan. So she always had music videos playing and I taught myself a lot of the dances from the music videos. So that is like a huge geeky thing about me is that I probably still know a lot of music video choreography that I could probably use for something else in my brain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now you have to learn all the TikTok dances. That's like, uh, <laughs> you know, I I feel I do feel kind of like an old fuddy-duddy that I don't care about though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's like, I remember when it was just TV. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you know, I really love movement and dance and I did really love sports, but I, I tended to excel and enjoy dance. I did cheerleading for a long time as well because my school didn't have a dance program. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll do that. And I really used and still use movement as probably my primary coping mechanism. I talk a lot about mental health and how movement is like the way, one of the primary ways that I kind of treat my mental health and my mental illness. Okay, a final geeky question for you, which is, um, do you have a favorite scene in science fiction or superhero stories where people are doing exercise and working out? So I, I don't think I have a favorite one, but anytime there is something athletic, I get really excited because it's just all of my worlds coming together. Anything with like a training montage, they're so corny, I but know. I still love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about the salmon ladder in Arrow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so good. So Quidditch would have been my favorite class without question. I, I liked the Hunger Games parts when they like had to show everyone what they could do. I guess more recently, like what just happened was with the Birds of Prey movie. I went to see it with a group of women and non-binary people. And at the end of it, all of us just walked out like, did you see how they were all fighting? Like how we would actually fight. Not everyone was a brawler. They were using 
physics against their opponents in order to take them down because they don't weigh as much as them. And they were using their lower bodies more often, like a lot of people do when they don't have as much upper body strength as their opponent. And it was just so good and very exciting to me. Yeah, that was a great movie. And yeah, the fight scene was like incredible. Like the final pyrotechnic fight scene. It was just like, yes. I'm like tearing up. I enjoy it so much. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that movie needs to be like seriously remembered and like treasured. (laughs) I I really hope that it becomes like a cult classic or something like that. Um, I bet it It definitely will. Yeah, it's already going there. It's already on its way. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us and chatting with us. How can people find out more about you and your classes online? Sure. They can go to geekgirlstrong.com or at geekgirlstrong, mostly on Instagram or really anywhere on social media. Awesome. All right. Well, stay fit and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) See you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. You've been listening to Our Opinions Are Correct. Thanks so much for being here. You can always find us everywhere where fine podcasts are purveyed. Uh, Please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps the overlords sort our bodies out from the bodies of the fallen. And you can find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash our opinions are correct. And if you become a patron, you get lots of awesome extras. There's audio extras. We post essays and we post writing prompts and all kinds of other cool things. The contents of our closets, everything you want to know. And you can find us on Twitter at OOACpod. And thank you so much to our amazing producer, Veronica Simonetti, who's with Women's Audio Mission in San Francisco, where we record when we can go into the place to record. And thank you to Chris Palmer for the music. And thank you for listening, because you're so awesome. Go out, do some moving around, socially distanced, and feel better. Bye! Bye!